You have reached Pod Level Midnight, a conversation show about sports, movies, and whatever else we find along the way. I'm your host, Josiah Dury. Let's go. up everyone welcome into a double feature episode of pod level midnight for those that are not familiar with the concept of a double feature episode what we do is take two movies that are released around the same time and two movies that are similar in some way and we make the connection between them and then review both movies so today we're going to be talking about two movies that came out this this spring um, within the last month or so and two of my favorite movies of 2020 so far and those two movies are after yang and everything, ev- everything, everywhere, all at once. So I'm going to dive into each of those movies specifically in a minute. But first, I want to talk about just kind of what makes those two movies similar and why I thought to you know talk about them both at the same time. So both of these movies are um, independent studio releases um, from A24, which I'm going to get into a little bit more in a minute. But um, two kind of smaller budget, more under the radar independent movies. Um, from two, um, well, a couple of great filmmakers. And what kind of connects these is they're both roughly in like the sci-fi, specifically soft sci-fi genre um, of, of film with you know some, some concepts and stuff that are maybe a little bit more um, out there, which I'll get into as we get into each of the movies. Um, and they're within that soft, soft sci-fi genre, they both um, have they're both about like families and family dynamics are really at the core of what makes those movies and specifically the Asian American experience or the Asian experience in America. We have in each movie, there's um, there are individuals that come from, from China and from other um, places in Asia to America. And it's about their experience as either immigrants or within their own um, culture and ethnicity. So interesting in that way as well. A lot of um, Asian stars um, in these movies, which are really um, great to see. And the other kind of, so, you know, one of the things that connects these two movies is the, is just the genre and the, when you kind of see these movies, it's easy to see what's similar about them in terms of the um, overall type of movie that they are and the people that are starring in them. Uh, But then there also is, when it comes down to some of the technical aspects, the editing of these movies, they're both similar in terms of a lot of cross cut, a lot of cross cutting, a lot of montages, things like that, um, that cut between timelines or between different areas. And I don't want to explain too much yet, but we'll get into more of that. Um, but in some ways they're similar in those and as far as kind of how they're executed, but they're different because one of the movies is very, very small, very, um, they're both family oriented, but really focuses on just these few main characters and is a, a lot more um, just of a, of a quiet movie of a um, smaller scale, everything else. Whereas the movie, which I'm sure you can tell by the title that we'll talk about second, everything everywhere all at once is just that it's, it's big, it's loud, it's crazy. Um, it's about these core characters, but it's the opposite in terms of just kind of the scale of it. So, so some things to compare and contrast between the two, um, I mentioned that these are both um, distributed by a studio called A24. And you may have seen 
you know, the A24 logo on movies, you know, anytime you watch a movie and several, you know, logos of the different studios and stuff pop up um, at the beginning, I first started to notice A24 like a couple of years ago, just because it seemed to be having a really high hit rate on movies that I really liked, you know, movies that maybe surprised me that I hadn't heard of that I ended up really liking having that A24 logo on them. And that has continued and, you know, grown exponentially in the last few years where I can say, that anything that they're putting out, I am, if it's even within the realm of something I might find interesting, I'm probably going to see it. They have a, a knack for really giving um, creative freedom to a lot of great filmmakers and just allowing um, them to, to make great art. And I've really appreciated, you know, just checking out what A24 has done in recent years and look forward to continuing to see what they do moving forward. So both of these films, like I said, distributed by A24 and just to run through a few of their many, this is not even an exhaustive list, but some of the the great movies that have come out through A24 over the last five years or 10 years are um, one of my favorite movies of last year, which I've mentioned a few times on the podcast before, The Green Knight. Um, Minari was nominated for Best Picture a few years ago. Moonlight won Best Picture. Um, Uncut Gems, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, a movie I really liked. First Reformed, which is one of my favorite movies of probably the last decade. Um, Lady Bird, which is great. Um, Ex Machina, which is really good as well. Room, which was very good. Brie Larson won the Oscar for that. Um, Enemy, which is one of the first um, Denis Villeneuve um, films, which was really well done as well with um, Jake Gyllenhaal starring in that. And that's not even the complete list. So what I would do, what I would suggest people do is if you're interested in any of these films, and specifically, I'm going to talk about After Yang in a minute, which is another one that's now on streaming. Um, A24 has an exclusive deal through Showtime. So they have all these movies and more are on the, are on the Showtime app and Showtime right now has a free 30 day. This is not, they didn't pay me to say this. Obviously I didn't pay anything because it's free 30 days, uh, but they have a free 30 day trial going on right now, which I just signed up for over the weekend. Cause I was wanting to get into some more of these, of these films and they have all the A24 stuff on there. That's been released on streaming and, uh, I've seen a lot of these already, all the ones that I mentioned, but they've got a list already of about like eight to 10 films that I want to check out over these next 30 days from A24. So um, would recommend people check that out if you're interested in any of these, you know, kind of smaller under the radar um, independent films that are really, really good. So that's on, on Showtime. But let's get into After Yang, which I just watched after um, getting that Showtime free trial. And this just came out um, within the last couple of months, um, 2022 debut. And it is um, the smaller of the two films. So I want to do this first, because once I start talking about everything everywhere all at once, I don't know when I'm going to stop. So I want to get this one out of the way first, even though it is really a good film as well. Come on, Yang. What are you doing? Come, come on. What happened to Yang? I don't know. He shut down last night. He won't restart. Has this happened before? No. If we can't get Yang fixed, we're not going to buy another sibling for Mika. After Yang is a... As I was watching, I was just thinking like this feels like an episode of Black Mirror because it's really, you know, for those that are familiar with Black Mirror, it's a anthology show about all about technology and all about the future. And it's a very um, disturbing show in a lot of ways. This isn't the same in that way, but the concept of it, um, the tone isn't like a Black Mirror episode, but the concept is as far as um, it's a futuristic, we're not given the date or anything, but futuristic kind of um, soft sci-fi setting. 
and specifically what what you learn quickly in the movie is that there are there's technology now for both cloning and for essentially artificial intelligence um artificial um human being humanoid type um beings and specifically there are like created robots or whatever you want to call them that will that are in all intents and purposes human and you can what happens is the main setting of this film is a family has uh, purchased one of these that is is designed to be a robot sibling uh, specifically for um, adopted kids and um, like mixed race or um, ethnicity families so the kind of general setup of the movie and you learn this right away this isn't a spoiler is that um there's a a couple who has a, has adopted a, a chinese daughter um and they're not chinese and so they have then purchased this um what they call a cultural techno which is like a robot um but who is for all intents and purposes human and considered like the older brother in the family to their to their daughter and the purpose is to have kind of some of that cultural um, intelligence, cultural education, connecting her with her, her Chinese roots, things like that, as well as, you know, the sibling aspect of it too. So that's kind of the setup of the movie, which is interesting. And it goes from there with, um, I mean, the name of the movie is after Yang, the character of the older brother robot is named Yang. So it's about how he basically breaks down and then they have to go through this quest of, you know, fixing him or discovering, you know, what does this um, robot person mean to us, which this may not be a good sell because I personally, I don't usually connect very well with like movies where we're expecting like the question is all about, you know, is a robot human or anything like that. And this has some of that, but it's not, maybe the main um, theme of the movie. Like, for example, I never understood in like Marvel stuff where like the character of Vision, like who is like a artificial intelligence, like, you know, totally robotic being is like everything hinges on keeping him alive when it's not even human. Like, I don't connect with that at all. I know some people are like interested in that question of like, what makes a, you know, what does it mean to be, um, to be artificial intelligence versus human, where's the line in there? Uh, I don't usually connect with that stuff. So th that's not a big part of this movie. It is a lot about, about humanity and about emotion and those sorts of things, but it's not as much kind of questioning where he is, I guess, in that spectrum. So all that to say, I really did enjoy this movie um, and the kind of the different themes and stuff that came out of it, which I'm going to talk to in a second. First, first I want to just mention um, the director is a, a guy named um kogo nada who is a south korean filmmaker he's only i was looking him up because i wasn't really familiar with him he's only done a, one other film um called columbus which i'm going to check out um, after this because um, it's got really good reviews as well that was in 2017 so yeah south korean filmmaker um who has done a couple of just kind of really small um small budget things but really was um, impressed with his his direction in this um the stars of the movie are colin farrell who is looking very different from his appearance in the Batman of earlier this year. He's looking much more like himself in this. Um, Jody Turner Smith plays um, his partner and the, um, the they're the parent duo. And then Justin H. Mean plays um, plays Yang, the character of Yang. So again, I don't want to get into too much. There's not a whole lot to spoil, but it's just about it's really a kind of a you know introspective movie about um, going through some of um, you know what is it, what do we value as as family members what do we value as as people um within within families within cultures those sorts of things and lots of 
lots of memories, lots of flashbacks, those sorts of things too, which um, were really well done. The themes, kind of the main themes are, I mean, I said before, it's not about what it means to be human, but it is in terms of what, um, just what's important, I guess. What are the parts that we connect with when, you know, you lose someone, even if it's a, an artificial, you know, being, how do you um, grapple with that? What parts of the, of their, your experience together are important to you? Um, there's a kind of a concept where he, um, where Yang is recording a couple seconds of every day based on what, you know, they deem to be the important parts to remember. So that's an interesting thing that they kind of reflect on throughout the movie. And I thought that that stuff was interesting, but what I really thought was interesting was the, some of the aspects of, of culture and of ethnicity that they talk about, not even super directly, but some of just seeing how, you know, what does it mean for a, um, an adopted child to be, um, to connect back with their culture or with someone that, um, is from the same culture as them. How do they, you know, learn from one another, you know, what's our responsibility in, in teaching that and in embracing one another in those ways. So that stuff was really interesting and handled in a very, the word that keeps coming up to me about this movie is, is generous. And it's, it's in that way, really the opposite of black mirror, because black mirror is always about, you know, pushing things to the limit and like what could go wrong with, with artificial intelligence, technology, all these things, like where are we headed, which, you know, may, may be the more realistic way to look at it, but this movie does it in a way that is again, very generous to the characters, to all the, um, the interactions with them. It's not cynical. It's not about like, um, you know, how they've wronged one another or anything like that. It's all about like, you know, why they love one another, why they've, how they've grown together. And um, yeah, it just does it in a really um, heartfelt and generous way, which I appreciated. Um, it's a good, um, a good vibe throughout the movie, even though it's, you know, about um, some of these concepts of, of loss and a family and those sorts of things. So just a couple other things to mention to kind of just highlight what makes this movie special after I, after I viewed it. Um, I knew we were in for a good time a couple minutes in as soon as the opening credits hit, I don't want to say what happens there, but it's just a really, it'll make you laugh. Um, it really sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Not a lot of laughs actually after that part, but, um, the opening credits are just really, really well done and gives you the, I guess it teaches you a lot about their family immediately, um, which was good. So another thing that the movie does really well is just the visual um, kind of language of the movie. The I was really impressed with like just the production design and all the um, different settings where the, that they're in. It's got this futuristic kind of vibe. It's almost, it reminded me a little bit of like Blade Runner 2049, not quite as much like color, you know, high color and high contrast and stuff, but just kind of the, the actual sets that they were on and the different settings of like buildings and rooms and stuff just kind of had that futuristic vibe without being anything too, you know, over the top or anything like that. So I appreciated that. I already mentioned the montages again, I'm going to talk about it with, as we get to the other movie too, but these movies just do a really good job of cutting between different images, different, um, you know, visual moments, um, scenes of a couple of seconds, those sorts of things and piecing them together in a way that's really effective. So this movie did that well. And then I would say, you know, for a movie, that's one of the great things about this movie. And a lot of these, honestly, A24 movies is that they're not very, they're not usually super long. Um, that's not the case for the next movie I'm going to talk about. But some of these, you know, you find these smaller um, independent films and this one's like, I don't know, 95 minutes or something like that. It's um, 
not overly long and it's it's a very simple concept and it sticks to that throughout it's not um there's not like different paths that are being you know that you're being diverted on or anything like that it's just simple um dwelling on some of these bigger themes about you know about life and about family and those sorts of things but it sticks to that which i appreciated and also doesn't like overcomplicated or get into like having to say everything but it's about a few a few conversations here and there you know viewing um you know actually having to see how the actors are acting how they're expressing themselves and it's not going to just there's not like a huge monologue about like the meaning of life or anything like that it's just about you know these conversations and watching these people um kind of process what they're going through together which i appreciated and that leads me to the last thing I'll say about the movie, which is just um, was really impressed with the performances. You know, Colin Farrell um, has done really well in these types of movies in the past and does so again. Um, shout out to The Lobster, which is another movie I didn't mention. But if you've seen that um, one, another A24 one that I really enjoyed um, starring Colin Farrell. So um, he does really well. Um, I wasn't familiar really with any of the other actors, a couple of faces I recognized, but I thought, you know, well performed all around the um, the actress that plays the um the little girl does a good job as well the young sister um who let me pull up here oh my i'm not even gonna try to pronounce her name so malia emma is her first two names and then she has a really long last name um so great job by her as well um justin me and i already mentioned he does a good job as yang and yeah just all around you know anytime you can get a movie that only has four or five characters really with speaking roles and they all, you know, do well, then, you know, you can't go wrong with that. So that is after Yang. Um, again, would really recommend it. It's good. It's only rated PG. Um, good. It's not necessarily like, a, it's not a kid's movie at all. It's not, you know, they're going to find it boring, but it's um, one that you don't have to worry about as far as, as content goes. And is you know, just, you know, one that's going to make you feel good in a lot of ways. Um, despite, um, you know, while also being like less engaged some with these, um, some of these questions about, um, about life and about family. So that's after Yang, check it out on Showtime. And um, yeah, let's get to the second movie of our double feature. I'm not your husband. I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today, a whole time to help you. Across the multiverse. Thousands of Evelyns. You can access all the memories, their emotions, even the skills. Okay, so the second movie is Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is one that you cannot find on streaming yet because it's still in theaters. And I want to say about just, you know, I went and saw this in theaters a couple weeks ago. And I don't know if other people have noticed or not, but I've been noticing movie theaters are kind of back right now. They're they're having a bit of a moment. There's been a few really good releases, um, not even as much the Batman, but more so after that, you know, with this everything everywhere all at once with some of these other um, movies that are out right now, it's been really cool to see um, people getting back to this, to the theaters for some of these smaller movies. Um, some of the more independent ones, some of the basically non IP um, franchises, uh, which is exciting. I know in the next couple of months, it's going to be blockbuster summer, which is, you know, any business is good business for the theaters as far as I'm concerned, but it is good to see a little bit of a surge, a little bit of people talking about being at the theater without it being um, just for a superhero movie or for a, you know, big action movie of some kind. With that being said, this is, a action hit if i've ever seen one which is everything everywhere all at once 
And speaking of kind of the movie theaters, this is one where it was a limited release in back in March and in like just a few screens in LA and in New York or wherever else. And this is one where I'd be curious to hear what other people thought have seen or thought because for me, and this may be more just based on the the way that the algorithm works for me on Twitter, but I was seeing stuff about this movie for weeks until I had a chance to actually see it, you know, when it premiered in, in Minnesota. So just critics talking about it, everyone talking about it, it's the greatest thing ever, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I mean, I was already potentially planning on seeing it, but then I was like, okay, I need to see this, you know, opening weekend. So um, got a chance to go. It's, it's really what I would describe as something that we don't get a lot of anymore, which is an actual independent word of mouth hit at the movie theaters, because this came out wide at the beginning of April and it is still playing as we get into May and not slowing down as far as um, the amount of theaters and screens that it's playing on. It's been a hit through just people's reviews, um, people talking about it, people recommending it. So I hope to kind of do the same thing here with, with the podcast, knowing that it's um, still going to be out for at least a few more weeks in theaters. So I recommend people go and, and check it out. Um, if you're in Minnesota listening to this, you'll probably need to see it somewhere close to the cities. Um, it's, you know, playing on some of the, at some of the theaters with more um, screens and stuff, but I know that there's um, at least half a dozen theaters in the cities that are, are playing it over the next couple of weeks. So would recommend it. I'm hoping to potentially go see it again um, in theaters while it's still there. Um, and then I know it'll hit, you know, streaming and Blu-ray and stuff sometime this summer. But, but as I recommend it, let's talk about the actual movie so that you guys can, um, can hear what's so, what's so great about it without getting into too much um, specifics or spoilers, because this is, it's hard to even describe what this movie is, but uh, first I'll mention it's, it's directed by um, a directing duo called Daniels um, because they're both, they both are named Daniel, um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schneidert. Um, they previously had done um, Swiss army man. So if you're familiar with that, this is very different, um, very different vibe, but yeah, well done by them. And it stars um, a primarily Asian cast um, starring Michelle Yeoh, um, Stephanie Sue. Kihei Kwan, who you may know from way back in the Goonies, he played um, Data in the Goonies, um, and now is obviously um, all grown up. Really cool story, actually. He had been out of acting for like 20 years um, since the early 2000s, just hadn't been finding roles and stuff that really suited him, um, felt like he you know, could do more than he was being offered, and then they ended up offering him this role, which is you know, he's the, one of the stars of the movie, one of the you know primary supporting characters, whatever you want to call him. And he is fantastic. They're all really good. All the performances in this movie are really good, but he is doing a lot of different things and acting in different, basically as different versions of a character. And I was really, really impressed with him. So I'm glad that he got this opportunity and hope to see more from him moving forward. Um, also, James Hong is in this movie and Jamie Lee Curtis. So those are kind of the main, um, some of the main stars. But Michelle Yeoh is the star of the movie. She's uh, what it all centers around. And she obviously has had a long, um, very successful career. And it was cool, too, to hear her talk about this movie because she did some interviews and stuff after the fact. And she just was really, you know, I don't know how much of this is just trying to sell the movie and how much of it is um, is really you know, what she's feeling, but it seemed very genuine as far as just feeling like when she was offered this role, it was a chance for her to show 
all the different aspects of what she can do as an actor instead of just, you know, she's done a lot of action stuff, which she does very well in this movie again, but the range that she shows um, in this movie, I personally, I think that she's gonna, she should be nominated for best actress and potentially win um, for 2022, just based on this role. Cause she's doing a ton in this movie and it all really hinges on, on her performance and she is incredible. So one other actor I'll mention, I don't know if anyone will understand this reference, but, if anyone has seen the, the show on Netflix, on Netflix, um, I think you should leave the character of from season two of Detective Crashmore, a.k.a. Santa Claus, who stars in his own film in that sketch. Um, the actor Biff Whiff is in this movie as well in a small role, but still good to see him. So if anyone understands that, um, I appreciate it. So all that being said, the concept of the movie is if you've seen the trailer, you already know this, but it's hard to even describe because so much it's, this is one of those movies that's unspoilerable. Um, I'm going to try not to unspoilable. Um, I'm going to try not to get into too many specifics because they don't necessarily spoil the plot, but there's just some, like some gags and some jokes and stuff that I don't want to, to spoil before you get a chance to, to see them. So all that being said, concept is it's a family drama. Once again, similar to um, similar to after Yang and it's told through instead of a really small concept like after Yang, this is told through the actual like multiverse which is a concept we've seen a lot lately um i still think you know previous to this after um spider-man into the spider-verse one of the ones that did it the best but um, this is a multiverse um adventure it's about you know basically the concept of there's you know infinite use and infinite different um universes that are you know, every different decision could go a different way, all those sorts of things. So there's all these different variants and they um, tap into that and go through that and explore it in a way that, you know, there's been a lot of these recently and more coming. So to me, I don't get super excited about the multiverse as a concept on its own, but this is, um, they do it in a way that's really well done and also not that's not the point of the movie at all. The multiverse is just kind of a vehicle for them to use. And they do it also in a way that's kind of pushes it to the limits of, of comedy and of like different uh, crazy variations that they can do that are not just like, Oh, what if there's an evil me? And what if there's a good me, but there's like all the range. So there's basically three different kind of storylines as well as themes that kind of tie in through this, that are told through this multiverse story. So the first is the family drama, um, which is kind of the core of it, um, which is about, um, it's about um, Michelle Yeoh characters and Kia Kwan's character are the parents. They have a daughter. um, And then um, they're um, Michelle Yeoh's father, the grandfather of the granddaughter, all that. Um, They're all kind of coming together as a family. They're um, immigrants from, from China and, it's about them just kind of learning how to connect with their, you know, or basically coming to terms with the fact that they've lost connection with their teenage daughter um, and are trying to kind of establish that and just all the different intergenerational things that families deal with are kind of the core of this, um, of the drama aspect of the, of the movie. Um, And there's, you know, kind of what kicks it off is, the grandfather character, James Hong's character, is coming to um, to the U.S. to um, for some sort of party. I don't remember what kind of party it is, but anyways, they're um, trying to introduce him to um, to the daughter's girlfriend through their um, 
through that party and there's tension and stuff that comes from that. And then that basically kicks off kind of them trying to, you know, work their way through different um, traditions and how people feel and all those sorts of things. Um, And yeah, that's kind of the core of, of at least what kind of gets the plot rolling. And then it goes from there. And of course they um, try to, to reconnect from there, but that's, that's the family drama portion of the, um, of the plot. There's also what I liked is there's a couple different other themes that are very present and um, at the forefront of the movie. So it's, it's doing a lot, you know, that's a very perfectly titled film as far as trying to do everything everywhere all at once, but it really does. Um, So what I would say is the second biggest kind of plot point or um, theme or kind of question that the movie is wrestling with is through the multiverse thing, the question of, so Michelle Yeoh's character is named Evelyn. um, And so it's all about Evelyn kind of processing, like what if there, you know, there are all these different, you know, things that I could have done differently. What if I made different choices? What if I, um, you know, if all the, if there's all these infinite possibilities, you know, what if basically, what if I made the wrong choices and why am I, you know, this boring version of me when I could have been a movie star or I could have been a scientist or could have been whatever else. Um, but she's basically, um, just running a, a laundromat and having issues with the IRS is, is the, uh, the original universe Evelyn that we meet. So really interesting kind of concept, something that, you know, it's not, it's not a new concept, but it's handled in a way I think that's pretty compelling and the way that they explain it in the end and the way that she kind of comes to terms with the choices that she's made, making her who she is now, which again, none of these things are new. There really can't be any new story or new movie that has something that hasn't been done before, but the way that they're done is a way that I think connected with a lot of people in this movie. There's a lot of people love this movie, myself included. And for whatever reason, the it's just hitting at the right time for people um, to hear um, kind of these same explanations of like, you know, you made the choices that, you know, the choices that you are brought you to where you are now and, you know, made you who you need to be in order to, um, to continue on in this, in this story. So I love the explanations and stuff that it gives um, towards the end of the movie um, for these, for that kind of theme. And the third theme would be, this is the one actually that I thought was the most interesting because it's dealing with kind of something that I think we're all wrestling with, especially um, maybe people more in my like generation right now. And with, as we're coming off of um, two years of, of pandemic and all this other stuff, um, basically again, the title, everything, everywhere, all at once, when you have a multiverse where, these people are now able to travel and they're all able to see, you know, what happens in all the different multiverses. And the question becomes like, how do we deal with all that information? What does it mean to like know everything that's going on everywhere at all, all at once, which is basically how we feel like logging onto the internet every day. Right. Like we're not really, I think supposed to try to process like everything that's going wrong in the world all at once every day through our phones but that's kind of what we're able to do now. So the movie kind of questions, like, how do you do that? How do you have that ability and not like just go straight into like nothing matters or like, you know, become nihilistic or whatever else. So that's kind of the actual like 
antagonist of the movie or like big quote unquote big bad is like dealing with that like everything is out there so because of that nothing matters like nothing that i do matters and so they there's some some great ways that they present that in a unique way um which i won't spoil but that's kind of what the ultimate like you know big bad or like thing that they're trying to to solve within the multiverse is but i thought it you know hit it hit in a way that is very poignant for what we're basically what we deal with on the internet every day and like how do you know the information age and all that kind of stuff like how do we process that and deal with that whilst remaining sane so i I need to watch it again to see <laughs> how they uh because they they wrap it up in like a in a beautiful way but i um i need to see it again because it's um yeah it i think it's really um effective so all that being said and I'm talking about a lot of big concepts and stuff. I would just say people go see this movie because it's again, one of the best um, movies of the year. This is, I'm going to get into a couple more of the specifics here, but what I'll say is I was a little bit like thought that it was going to be overhyped or whatever, just because I've, I'm hearing people, you know, before I go see it, people are saying, you know, this is the best movie I've, I've ever seen. This is one of my favorite movies ever, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, really like, you know, what is it about this movie that's that makes it special and i will say i need to see it again before i kind of officially like put it in the rankings or whatever put it in the pantheon but on letterbox which is where i log all my movies and rate all my movies that i see this is the first movie i've given five stars since parasite a couple of years ago so that's how good i felt it was the first time i saw it um, i want to see it again but it definitely lived up to the hype to me. And um, yeah, a couple of the things that make this movie special are the, you know, beyond those themes, the just kind of the depiction of the, of the characters of those um, the way that they actually kind of conclude those themes and the way that they just do it in a way that I haven't necessarily seen before. And it's not what you expect, I guess, in a lot of ways, but it's very effective. So um, the complexity of the characters, none of them are one dimensional. They're all kind of wrestling with a few different things. It is a long movie, which allows some of that stuff to develop. It's like, I don't know, 220 or something like that, two hours, 20 minutes. Um, but it flies right along. And a couple of the other things that just make this movie special are the the visual aspects. I think it's a really... you can just tell that they had a lot of fun making this movie because um, the, the script that the Daniels put together and then them being um, obviously very interested in like the comedic aspects of this kind of thing. They're like, if every universe is possible, right. What are some of the just like outrageous things that we can do Um, a universe where, you know, different things are, this is, not as much of a spoiler. Sure. I'll say this, I'll give one example. There's a lot of other examples I don't want to spoil, but there's one example where basically everyone has evolved to the point where their hands are like their fingers are hot dogs. They have hot dog fingers, um, like long fingers. You probably saw this in the trailer, the poster and stuff, but um, those are some of those. That's just one example of like, and then there's a lot of gags and stuff that go with that. But one example of them kind of saying like, if we have like these infinite amount of different possibilities, let's do some funny ones instead of just like, Oh, the most, you know, the most dark universe or the, um, this is what I kind of liked about into the spider verse two is like, you have like 
noir Spider-Man played by Nick Cage, but then you also have like spider pig coming in you've got um, a few different ones. So I just like the kind of the balance of they have these crazy over the top, like visuals and stuff. And it's like the fate of the universe, all this kind of stuff. But then there's also just like absurdist humor. And sometimes it can be a little bit like crude, but you know, it was, it was funny. So um, I'll give them that. Um, a couple other, yeah, I don't want to mention other ones specifically because they're really, really funny. And I don't want to even give you the idea of what it's going to be, but I will say there's one scene towards the end. Um, well, a couple scenes actually, but one of the universes they travel to where um, because of the context of it, there's no, none of the characters or the actors are on the screen um, and there's no like actual audio dialogue. Um, there's just um, captions or like um, basically like a comic comic strip um, little bubble um, with their words and stuff. And those couple scenes were some of the most like emotionally effective scenes that I've seen in a movie in like years, just because they're so well done. And they've built up to this point um, where you have, um, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but you have them talking to each other through nothing that we're seeing on the screen other than like these words. Um, but it's so, um, so well done and so effective. So um, yeah, there's other parts. Once people see this, please hit me up because I want to talk about some of the funniest things um, that happened in this movie, but um, yeah, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. It's totally worth it um, once you see it. So the other thing that was um, really cool to hear about or to read about um, after seeing the movie is just the, the special effects and stuff um, as well as the editing, this whole movie, um, not, not just the special effects budget, but the whole budget was $25 million, which the way that it looks and the way that they, um, you know, when you see a big, just when you see how much is in it, you'll be surprised by that number. It's even though it sounds, you know, it's bigger than your normal, you know, it's certainly a bigger budget than after Yang, but, um, but compared to, a, you know, a big blockbuster or whatever, that's dealing with these multiverse type things. Um, that's a very small budget. They only had a five person visual effects team, um, that did all the visual effects for the movie. So they were doing a lot of creative stuff that wasn't all just all CG or all whatever, um, they were doing a lot of costume stuff, a lot of um, like prosthetics, those sorts of things. And yeah, the way that they cut things, I think, um, I don't know enough to say like to break down how they did it, but a lot of it was with um, with camera work and with camera tricks and stuff like that, and as well as editing, um, which is really interesting and extremely well done. You would, again, you were going to watch this and you're going to think um, it's one of the best edited movie you probably have seen. Um, at least that's how I felt. Um they also, I was listening to an interview with, um, with the Daniels and they were talking about how they hired their like Kung Fu coordinator. So there's, you know, a big portion of the, um, any of the fight scenes and stuff is, is Kung Fu. And obviously that's right in like Michelle Yeoh's wheelhouse. Um, but they're like choreographers and stuff for that were people that they hired off of YouTube who just do like, um, stunts and stuff like that through like, not even professionally, like on movies, but just through you, their YouTube channel. Um, so that's, that's what we're dealing with is this production. Um, and they, the way that they pulled it off was, um, really, really awesome. So again, it's in theaters right now. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once, it should be there for a couple more weeks. Um, and I would, this is like the highest possible recommendation, um, that I can give as far as people to go see it. And you know, if you don't get a chance to see it in theaters, check it out this summer when it comes on, you know, either streaming or, or Blu-ray, but yeah, it's. I'm excited to see it again because it really is, 
I think it's going to go down as one of the best or one of the most influential or kind of iconic films of the, not just the year, but probably like this, the 20, 2020s decade. I really think that that's kind of what we're looking at here as far as one of the most maybe, and maybe that's just for like the smaller, like contingent of film critics and film nerds and stuff like that, but it's not going to be one of the, you know, it's not going to break blockbuster records or anything like that, but it is having quite a run at the box office to the point where I think it's going to, it's going to break beyond it's, it's already doing it, but it's, it's breaking beyond like the totally unknown indie type thing. It's got the word of mouth. It's hopefully going to continue to have that. And hopefully by award season, it's going to have some recognition and stuff too, and get seen by more and more people. So I really think this is going to be on a lot of people's, you know, it's already people putting it up on their top five movies ever type thing. Um, so I think it's going to be, have a lot of staying power on people's best of the, of the year list, best of the decade lists, those sorts of things too. So highest possible recommendation for me, everything, everywhere, all at once, um, check it out and let me know what you think. Cause I want to talk to people about it. So yeah, with that, that is our double feature for now. I'm looking forward to doing another one soon. Um, and the other, th- the last thing I would say is if you're, <laughs> if you're going to go see a movie about the multiverse this weekend in the theaters, make it everything everywhere all at once, instead of whatever other potential um, multiverse movie might be coming out in the next week, um, probably be easier to get a ticket to. So that's what, that's all I'll say on that. Um, but yeah, that's our double feature um, after Yang and everything everywhere all at once. And yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time.